Happy snow day, Kodiak. As we all know, there is a blizzard outside. So here's a list of things that are closed and not running today. The CATS buses will not be running today. The senior center is closed. There is no school. All schools have canceled classes. The Kodiak College is closed. Providence Counseling Center and Kodiak Public Health Center are closed. The library as well and the Coast Guard Base and Air Station have canceled operations for today. More information for you there about the snow during the Island Messenger. And now a look at local and statewide news. Take a walk past a grocery store seafood counter, and you might notice the little blue stickers that mark certain types of fish sustainably caught. As demand for environmentally conscious seafood goes up, sustainability certifications are increasingly important. But at the same time, climate change is threatening Alaska's longstanding reputation for sustainable fisheries. From Alaska's Energy Desk, here's a story of how Gulf of Alaska cod is close to losing its blue sticker. Gulf of Alaska cod have had a rough go of it in the last few years. A massive Pacific Ocean heat wave from 2014 to 2016 crashed cod numbers by more than half in the Gulf. This year, managers were forced to close the federal fishery entirely for the first time due to low stock. And now Gulf cod appears likely to lose its sustainability certificate from the Marine Stewardship Council, or MSC. The MSC is a global nonprofit that sets the standard for sustainable fisheries around the world. Here's Jackie Marks, senior PR manager for MSC. What the MSC certification really does is, along the supply chain, it allows for there to be traceability. And at the end of the supply chain, it allows that product to have the MSC Blue Fish label on it, signifying to consumers that it has been caught sustainably. Gulf of Alaska cod has carried that label for 10 years, but warming waters have driven the population down to just above the overfish status, and now the fishery is being reassessed. From what we understand of the MSC standard, um, it does look likely that the certification will be suspended. That's Julie Decker, executive director of the Alaska Fisheries Development Foundation. With the federal fishery closed and only a small state fishery open this season, she says it's hard to predict what impact losing MSC certification will have on the market. The fact that the fishery is closed and there's less biomass on the market could have more impact to the price than the certification. So, you know, it's very hard to sort of tease those two issues apart. In other words, not having much Gulf cod to sell will probably impact the market more than losing a sustainability label this year. In any case, the majority of Alaska's cod comes from the Bering Sea and Aleutian Islands, both of which are MSC certified. The bigger issue for many industry members is distinguishing why Gulf cod might have its MSC certification suspended. Around the world, the MSC has suspended the label in response to poor fishery management. But as Julie Bonney, executive director of the Alaska Groundfish Data Bank, points out, that's not the case for Gulf cod. Here, we're actually basing our fishery management based on the best available science, and they're taking a precautionary approach by closing directed fishing in the federal fishery, and they've also accounted for the small amount of catch that's going to come through the state fisheries, but at the end of the day, because we can't meet the stock status size, we most likely will lose the certification The MSC publishes the reasoning behind suspending a fisheries certification, but from a consumer marketing angle, there is no distinction between a fishery suspended for management issues versus one suspended for environmental problems. Again, here's Jackie Marks with MSC. 
And I think as we sort of continue to see um, how climate change is having an impact on fisheries, we might need to take another look at that. Climate change is, of course, a very important one and something that we're going to continue to have to address. The reassessment for Gulf of Alaska cod is slated to begin in February with results following around April. Reporting in Kodiak, I'm Kavitha George. Leaders at the University of Alaska Anchorage are grappling with a staggering drop in enrollment. This fall, the number of students signing up for classes compared to the year before fell by about 10%. It's the biggest decrease in enrollment in at least the past two decades at UAA, and perhaps ever. Alaska Public Media's Tegan Hanlon has more about what led to UAA's shrinking student body and what happens next. Bruce Schultz has never seen a drop in enrollment quite like this. He's UAA's Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs, and he's noticing fewer students in UAA's parking lots and in its dining hall this year. It's significant for us. It's one of the largest declines that we've seen in the last 10 years. UAA's enrollment fell by about 1,500 students this fall, a nearly 10% drop compared to the year before. For almost a decade, all three of the state's public universities in the UA system have struggled with shrinking enrollment. But a one-year drop of this size is particularly striking. UAA Chancellor Kathy Sandine says it became apparent this summer that fewer students would show up in the fall, defying projections. We keep a dashboard of our uh, admission and enrollment data, and everything was green. We were expecting a banner year for fall of 2019. And then in July, all those indicators turned red as fewer and fewer students were enrolling. A number of factors were at play here. First, university regents voted in April to eliminate UAA's initial teacher preparation programs after they lost accreditation. Then came the summer state funding battle sparked by the governor cutting an unprecedented 41% of state funding for the University of Alaska system. In response, university leaders warned they'd have to erase degree programs and shut down whole campuses. In the middle of all that, thousands of Alaska students also learned there was no money to pay for their college scholarships. Sandine says it was a chaotic pileup of issues during a key time for UAA enrollment. So we had many, many questions from students. And during portions of the summer, we didn't have a lot of good answers for them. We tried to assure them that, you know, there still would be substantial programs offered in Anchorage, hang in there with us. But, you know, some of them chose a wait-and-see approach. Sandine says it's important to remember that many UAA students are older than the traditional college student. They're often working while they're earning their degrees, and many are the first in their family to go to college. A lot of them also wait until July or August to enroll in classes, she says. Kian O'Brien is one of the university students who nervously watched the budget back and forth play out in the news this summer. He had just finished his freshman year at UAA studying music. I honestly had no clue what I was going to do. Um, I was working like three jobs over the summer trying to save up for school. I had plans for the fall. And that was sort of all turned on its head. I started looking at transfer options in June, July-ish. But O'Brien says it turned out he didn't have enough time to transfer out of state. So he's still at UAA this year, but he's leaning toward leaving at the end of the semester. Even with the smaller state budget cut agreed to and scholarships going out, O'Brien says staying at UAA just feels too risky. He worries about continued funding cuts decimating his program. Some of his friends are already gone. Which is really unfortunate because I I love UAA and I love all the opportunities I've had here. I love the people here. And so it's sort of like, 
I, I don't want to leave, but I sort of have to. Meanwhile, UAA has to adjust to a smaller student body. This fall, the university offered about 15% fewer classes. Smaller enrollment also means UAA expects to be down at least $5.5 million in tuition and fees this year. That's on top of its slice of the state funding cut, nearly $12.5 million. Sandine says UAA is currently reviewing its programs to inform where to cut spending. So are the other universities. Right now we're still in somewhat of a period of uncertainty. And, and I understand where people are coming from, but we're working as hard as we can to turn this around so that we continue to help people fulfill their dreams. That's what we're here for. Sandine says UAA also continues to invest heavily in recruiting new students and retaining those already enrolled. In Anchorage, I'm Tegan Hanlon. Pelican and Tanaki Springs residents saw their fears come true last week in the form of the state's proposed summer ferry schedule, a schedule that calls for zero summer sailings to the two remote island communities. The town's mayors, already grappling with the current lack of ferries, expressed shock and dismay at the proposed schedule. KCAW's Ari Snyder reports. Tanaki Springs hasn't seen a ferry in months. And, as Mayor Dan Kennedy found out when he looked at the proposed summer schedule, that drought is unlikely to end anytime soon. It was stunning. I mean, they just left us hanging in the wind for a year or more, more than a year. The Alaska Marine Highway System was already in rough waters before the state released the draft schedule. Last year, the legislature cut funding to the system by about 40 percent, the price of avoiding a deeper cut proposed by Governor Mike Dunleavy. Since then, unexpected repairs have kept vessels out of service for longer than anticipated, further hampering service. And it's not just the schedule that is working against Tenneke. The town's dock is due for a replacement, and work is supposed to start in early July. Kennedy hoped they would get a sailing or two early in the summer to help tide things over until the dock is finished in December. But if the draft schedule becomes the final word, Tenneke would be looking at another full year without ferries. Well, I'm just outraged. You know, I, I think the state probably has enough contingency funds somewhere to do something, whether it's, you know, hire a private vessel or that's about the only alternative I see at this point. As it stands, the town is already suffering from being essentially stranded for months. The shelves are bare at the store, residents have struggled to make medical appointments, and all the local businesses have taken a hit. For many, it's just too much to bear. Yeah, a lot of people have just left. I mean, I've I've never seen so few people in town. I mean, it's always less in the winter. But I bet we're around 50 this year, and I've never seen it that low. Kennedy and others are doing what they can to advocate for the interests of Tenneke, but he's not overly optimistic about the sway they hold in Juneau. Oh, we're just going to try and keep pressure on the governor. I mean, we don't have a lot of clout, obviously. 50 people in the middle of nowhere right now, and hopefully we can embarrass them into doing something. (laughs) Forty air miles away, on the other side of Chichigoff Island, The town of Pelican is also confronting the possibility of a summer without ferries. Unlike Tanneke, though, Pelican's ferry dock is in good shape. Mayor Walt Weller says it's just not seeing a lot of use these days. We've got a really nice multi-million dollar AMHS terminal. It doesn't have a building or anything, but just the docking structure is pretty nice. It's only about 10 years old. It's just sitting there. I'm looking at it out my window. It's just sitting there looking wet and lonely and cold. Pelican, like Tanneke, hasn't had a ferry in months. To make matters worse, neither community has an airstrip, and winter weather makes float plane travel unreliable at best. Weller echoed many of Tenneke's economic and logistical concerns. He's particularly worried about how to get trucks in to pump out the town's sewer system. Another big question is how the town's seafood processor would fare without a ferry to take its product to market. 
Beyond the day-to-day challenges, Weller says the breakdown of the state ferry system has unfairly jeopardized island communities, overlooking the value that places like Pelican provide to the state as a whole. For our size, a major contributor you know, to what Alaska is all about, which is sport fishing and tourism and the world's best seafood. And it's like, well, never mind. You, know, you guys are on your own. Weller, Kennedy, and other mayors and stakeholders throughout the region are scrambling to get some service restored where possible. Weller says Pelican could get by with just eight to ten sailings a year. Having some form of economical transportation in line with what the Alaska Marine Highway System was originally mandated for, which was commerce and supporting these small communities, that's all we're asking for. We don't, we don't have any reason to ask for a ferry every week or, or even every month. We just don't want to be cut completely off. The DOT is gathering public comments on the proposed schedule now until February 3rd. They will also hold a teleconference on February 4th to hear additional comments. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Ari Snyder. Today's KMXT Local News is brought to you in part by Discover Kodiak, a one-stop source for visitor information on Kodiak and other destinations around the state. On the web at kodiak.org and at the Visitor Center in the Ferry Terminal Building at 100 Marine Way. 486-4782. This is Alaska Fish Radio. I'm Lainey Welch. One click can track fish prices, landings, processor sales, and more. I'll tell you more after this. Integrated Marine Systems is the leader in marine refrigeration in Alaska. Simple, reliable, built to last. Visit imspacific.com. One click takes you to a site that can tell you everything about fish prices and landings for every Alaska region. How much was processed into what products, what processors bought and sold it for, and how much money fishermen made by region. It's called the Commercial Fisheries Statistics and Data page on the Department of Fish and Game website, and it extends back to 1984. Most recent numbers are through 2018-2019 data will be out this spring. For salmon, charts and graphs show historical harvest rankings by the numbers of fish, poundages, and average prices. The highest price ever paid to fishermen for pinks was 79 cents a pound in 1988. The lowest was 7 cents paid in 1996, 2002, and 2003. The 2018 average pink price was 48 cents. The highest chum price was 90 cents paid in 2018. For sockeyes, the low was 58 cents paid in 2001. The highest average sockeye price to fishermen was $1.78 in 2013. Alaska roe herring averaged 8 cents a pound, 5 cents at Togiak. Herring as bait averaged 21 cents a pound. For the dive fisheries, six processors purchased nearly 1.4 million pounds of sea cucumbers at an average price of $5.29 a pound. The lowest valued fish was lump suckers at one penny a pound. The priciest product was red king crab at $9.27. The second highest price was for spot shrimp at $8.89 a pound in 2018. Find links at the ADF&G site under fishing and find links at alaskafishradio.com. Fish Radio is also brought to you by Ocean Beauty Seafoods. In Kodiak, I'm Lainey Welch.
Fish Radio is supported in part by Joy Crafts, specializing in marine safety equipment. U.S. Coast Guard approved AMC instruction for commercial fishing vessel safety procedures and drills, serving Kodiak for over 25 years. 486-6293 at 445 Shahafka Circle. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Welcome to this noon edition of the Island Messenger. Before we get to the weather, let's start with some blizzard warnings. Again, there is a blizzard outside. So there are a list of things that are going to be closed today. Cats buses will not be running. The senior center is closed. All schools have been closed and canceled uh, their classes for today. Kodiak College is closed. The Providence Counseling Center and Kodiak Public Health Center are closed, along with the library also closed. And the Coast Guard base and air station have canceled their operations for today. The Harbor Master's Office is requesting vessel owners to come to the harbor and check their vessels, of course, only if that's safe for you. Um, also, please ensure all power cords, wood, and other items are removed from floats to make way for snow removal. Some notes from Public Works for you today. Please move vehicles and car- garbage cans away from the ra- road Excuse me, so that plows can do their job. Cars should be parked off the rights of way as much as possible during clearing and removal of snow. Please use caution with what is shoveled into piles. It does not contain materials that could damage the plow equipment. Don't pile snow within 15 feet of an intersection or against power poles or fire hydrants, which need to be visible and readily accessible in the event of an emergency. Keep children from playing on snow berms. They might slide into oncoming traffic. Um, And also vehicles can skid on the ice despite braking. The prioritized actions of the city of Kodiak following significant snowfall includes opening fire lanes, major school bus routes, opening routes to two lanes of traffic, hauling to snow storage, and cleaning sidewalks. Please discuss winter safety with your children and make sure that they're playing safely. It's highly encouraged that children and adults alike wear bright clothing and or reflector tape for visibility. More snow for Kodiak this afternoon. Widespread blowing snow mainly before 1 p.m. Highs near 27 degrees and west winds 20 to 30 miles per hour, decreasing to 5 to 15 miles per hour. An 80% chance of precipitation this afternoon with 3 to 5 inches of snow accumulation possible. Tonight, more snow again, mainly before 1 a.m. Cloudy with a high, excuse me, with a low around 14. Northwest winds around 5 to 10 miles per hour and a 70% chance of precipitation. Another inch of snow possible. Thursday, chance of snow before 7 a.m., then scattered snow showers after 7 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 20 and a 40% chance of precipitation. Again, more snow on Thursday night, mainly after 4 a.m. Cloudy with a low around 14 and west winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. 30% chance of precipitation for Thursday night. Homeward today, snow and highs near 24. North winds 10 to 15 miles per hour and a 90% chance of precipitation. About an inch or two of snow possible for Homer. And in Anchorage, a 40% chance of snow, cloudy with a high near 23 today, north winds around 10 miles per hour, and a 30% chance of snow before 9 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low around 13, northeast winds 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming north. Looking at our marine forecast for today, Marmot Island is Sikonak. There's a gale warning today and a heavy freezing spray warning through Thursday. Today, west winds of 35 knots with seas at 20 feet and heavy freezing spray with snow. 
Tonight, west winds of 30 knots with seas at 15 feet and heavy freezing spray again snow. Thursday, west winds of 30 knots north of Dangerous Cape. Northwest winds of 15 knots increasing to 25 knots in the afternoon. Seas at 11 feet with heavy freezing spray and snow. Chiniac Bay has a small craft advisory today. West winds of 30 knots becoming southwest 10 knots in the afternoon. Seas at 7 feet subsiding to 3 feet in the afternoon with freezing spray and snow. And tonight, north winds of 10 knots with seas at 2 feet and snow. Marmot Bay has a small craft advisory today. Northwest winds of 30 knots becoming west 20 knots in the afternoon with seas at 5 feet and freezing spray with snow. Tonight, northwest winds of 15 knots diminishing to 10 knots after midnight. Seas at 2 feet with freezing spray and snow. Shellacoff Strait has a gale warning through Thursday, a heavy freezing spray warning through Thursday as well. Today, northwest winds of 40 knots with seas at 13 feet and heavy freezing spray with snow. And tonight, nor- excuse me, tonight, west winds of 35 knots with seas at 8 feet, heavy freezing spray, and snow. Today is the 29th of January. Sunrise this morning was at 9.19 a.m. And sunset tonight will be at 5.28 p.m. That's 8 hours and 9 minutes of daylight, which is 4 minutes, 16 seconds more than we got yesterday. The record high on this day was 48 degrees in 1985, and the record low was negative 9 in 1989. Looking at our tides for today, high tide for Kodiak will be coming in at 421 p.m., 7.75 feet. Low tide will be out at 1045 p.m., 0.54 feet. Over on the west side, high tides at 505 p.m., 16.71 feet, and low tide will be out at 1119 p.m., 1.31 feet. Some community announcements for today. The first guided bird walk and e-bird workshop will be held this Saturday, February 1st. It's the kickoff workshop for the Kodiak Big Year Challenge. Folks will meet in the parking lot of Kodiak College at 10 a.m. The group will work together identifying birds and making lists at one or two nearby locations. They'll then return to the college where new users will be introduced to eBird in a hands-on fashion, exploring its powerful tools and inputting the day's bird lists. This event is intended for birders of all levels, but especially those who are less familiar with eBird. Ideally, sign up for the Big Year Challenge before attending, but we can also help you get registered Saturday if needed. Binoculars will be available for those who need them. Also, the January prize will be either the Sibley Bird app or a similar bird guide if you are not an app user. The winner will be randomly drawn from those who are registered for the Big Year Challenge by the end of the week, so you may as well sign up already. For more information, contact either Cindy Trussell at 486-2878 or Danny Hernandez, 512-7719. There will be a borough assembly work session on Thursday, January 30th at 5.30 p.m. in the school district conference room. All borough offices are closed for today, but we will keep you updated on whether they're closed tomorrow as well. February 1st is the third annual Community Baby Shower welcoming babies of 2019 to the world. All babies born in 2019 and their families are invited to attend an afternoon of food, door prizes, games, speakers, and more. Located at the Canna Cognac Building, 194 Alamac Drive on Near Island, the Community Baby Shower starts at 11 a.m. and goes until 2 p.m. Providence Kodiak Medical Center is offering free birthing classes for expectant mothers at or before 20 weeks of pregnancy for you and your labor support team. The series of classes covers everything you need to know about labor, delivery, and caring for your newborn. The full cycle of classes runs for eight weeks and are held every Wednesday evening starting at 5.30 p.m. No registration is required and you can start at any time. You can also make up a class if you missed one by catching the next cycle of classes. Find the weekly schedule on the Providence website or call 907-486-9569. Those those classes are going to be on Wednesdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. 
although not today because, well, actually you might want to call to see if they're still open today. Classes are held at the Providence Kodiak Island Medical Center Pyramid Room. Stop by admitting and ask for directions. And that's all I have for you for today. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the Midday Report at 12.20, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org.